Hi everyone, you're listening to Beyond the Benchmark, the EFG podcast. My name is Mo Zafsal, I'm the Global Chief Investment Officer for EFG. So today we have yet another interesting topic for discussion on the podcast uh, and um, we are calling this title of this podcast spending spree the return of the consumer so uh, i have joaquin tool who's joined me from the macro team today joaquin welcome thank you Moss, and thanks for having me again in the podcast no not at all very happy to have you on uh, so let me explain the basis to the podcast today so um one of the trends that we have been looking at very carefully over the last few weeks is um obviously as covid uh, starts to recede hopefully although there are some pickups recently in some of the numbers what we're thinking about 2022 is this back to normal type of environment although um, it's never back to normal completely uh, following covid because there's a lot of habits that change as well and uh, Joaquin and I will uh, discuss this over the podcast so some sort of return back to norma- normality uh, will obviously unleash we think uh, this very large uh, spending spree and uh, the return of um, of the consumer. There are some very interesting subtleties here in the return of the consumer being very much uh, services-based rather than durable goods-based. Um, and, um, and essentially that's kind of where the pent-up demand is currently sitting. So to this um, idea, this notion of the return of the consumer or the return of the uh, services consumer um, there are kind of three components to that and you know we kind of very briefly describe them as savings uh, demand i.e., pent-up demand and obviously there are some supply challenges even in the uh, service sector as well so uh, Joaquin maybe you can give us a little bit of a, maybe start off just a little bit in terms of how have you know, habits changed over the course of the last um, 18 or 24 months yeah, so last year clearly was, was quite exceptional for, for all of us. And there was a, a survey conducted in the US um, in the second quarter of, of this year, which reveals that um, 75% of US uh, adults expect the pandemic to drive some sort of long-term change to, to, to the behavior. Um, and this is as, as a result of, of what happened last year, like when we saw uh, a clear shift from, um, from leisure spending into into more durable goods and for example we got uh, less people joining uh, gyms but more people buying peloton bikes for for their homes or uh, less um, less people going out for for cinema or for concerts and then signing up more for uh, online uh, streaming uh, services or buying a new tv or a new sound system so all of, all of these changes are are now here to stay now, as we return and, and we go back to, to a more normal um, environment, um, some of these things will, will remain with us. Some of these changes to the, the way we work, the way uh, where we live, the transport, um, consumption, or even the way we socialize, all of these things are, are going to change. And this is going to create some opportunities um, for, for the future, and we need to understand how these trends work and, and where these opportunities are, because clearly they're going to differ quite a lot uh, across across countries and also within different courts of the of the population. Mm, it's quite interesting looking at some of the companies that did very well during the pandemic, and you know the companies spring to mind are Zoom and uh, and Peloton were the call on the poster childs for that uh, that period. 
those stocks, uh, those companies have actually performed very badly over the course of the last, you know, six to 12 months as um, some sort of return of normality or that inflated perception started to uh, to dissipate. Um, probably the exception to the rule um, has been Netflix, um, which has been able to, obviously Netflix did very well during the pandemic, but was able to hang on to its cachet and, now, one of the uh, statistics you mentioned in your note that you did recently um, was that one in five people uh, signed up to a streaming service. Mm-hmm. It seems to me that Netflix is probably the only company that actually held on to the to that consumer who they locked in uh, earlier. Yeah, th- that's right. And 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 now we have in the UK here we have almost sixty uh, percent of the of households at least have one subscription uh, to to one of these. I, me personally, I have multiple ones that's the, that's the problem of the pandemic but then yeah we, we, we're gonna have a, a lot of um a, a lot of companies that are going to be leading this this trend and that's where where we want to focus so that changing behavior is quite key i think the other point you make i think is very <clears throat> relevant and something we'll touch upon a bit later on is the work from home initiative is gonna stay and i, I think there's some um, strong permanence to that um and uh, also the way people work is clearly going to change more kind of hub and spoke type of uh, structure seems to be the way that people are going to work. So, yeah, so there's some certainly some permanent things. Um, and then I think the things are back to normal. People are still going to travel, you know, on holidays, leisure time, go to, to go to go on concerts, go to concerts. I mean, theater, cinemas, I think, you know, some I don't I personally don't see cinemas going back to normal completely because I think home content has become so good that there's less need to necessarily go to the cinema. But I think we did a quick poll in the office and everyone's been seeing the James Bond movie, for example, you know, uh, so I think that uh, that's very clear. Um, So yeah, this changing habits, some permanent, but some normal. And I think, um, and people generally bought already the, um, the home cinema system or the big TV, uh, which is something we'll we'll talk about uh, in, in a second. So, the first one of our kind of pillars in this in this argument is around savings. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about, you know, how much savings are out in the system sitting with consumers at the moment. Yeah, precisely. That that return of the consumer is from a, from a base that now we have accumulated an excess amount of uh, of savings, and this is not only uh, something that happened in in developed markets, also in in emerging as well. Um, data from from Moody's um, showed that um, global savings increased by an extra five point four trillion dollars, and this uh, this represents six percent of of global GDP since since the start um, of the pandemic. And this increase in savings has been attributed to, to three, um, three main things. The first one is clearly the, the, the effect of forced savings. So people, uh, non-essential shops were closed and all of these activities were, were not allowed. So people could not spend some of the money that they had. The second one is the, the precautionary uh, savings workers that were concerned about their future income or, or the reduction in their work hours um, and that uh, they, they thought it was better to have a bit of a safety net to save for, um, for a rainy day because they had this uncertainty uh, over how long this would be, this pandemic would, would, would um, 
would prevent them from, from going out again. And the third one is the fiscal support. And although in some cases, like in the UK, it was just a cover of, the, of, the, of, of those that were already working, in other places like in the US, uh, the government literally sent checks to, to everyone, so people that needed this money and people that didn't need this money. And in that case, that money went to savings directly. The, the, so it clearly generated um, uh, a big effect. And so in places like Japan, like the UK, like the US, the savings ratio increased to, to double digits. So it, it, it more than doubled in comparison to what's been the average over the last 10 years. But in other places such as uh, China, maybe, although savings ratio did increase, the, the, the proportion of that increase was, was way lower. Um, and, and it still generated a, a, a good effect, but the effect is probably less likely to be seen in China as, as it is in the rest of the, of the developed world. Mm. I think it's interesting looking at the savings ratios of, of different countries. One thing that I would have never expected, the savings ratios of the US to be similar to China. Yes, exactly, <laughs> close to that. <laughs> which, is, which is quite astonishing because it's yes. not what you expect uh, from the US. You know, US has always been the first... First uh, has always been the first consumer uh, to to, uh, to to go out there. So that difference is actually quite stark when you think about it um, from a savings perspective. In fact, the savings ratio of US is higher than Japan by six mm-hmm. percentage points, which is again another stat that I, you just would never have imagined. Yeah, Japan Japan's savings ratio was always quite low, but um, but still, yes, that 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 difference with with the US and with the UK is is uh, is quite telling. Absolutely. So, so we got all these consumers, tons of savings, um, and, uh, and, and excess savings. Um, we talked a little bit about how they're going to spend it going forward. Um, let's talk a little bit about if you like how much money they spent on durable goods, um, pre in the, over the last 12 months versus services goods or, or services. It is expected that this um, this increase, let's say, in, in, in global savings, which was quite telling during the first uh, year of the of the pandemic, now will will revert into some of this um, less more services oriented or leisure and recreation type of, type of activities, and it is expected that this will add two percent to to global GDP um, uh, this year in 2021. And an additional two percent in in 2022. Um, in in the case of, for example, uh, in the case of the U- uh, UK, the the Bank of England expects that this uh, this amount of consumption of household consumption um, will increase by uh, by over nine percent next year. So this is um, this is that significant boost to that, that we're going to see. Um, how much of this is going to go um, into into each of these will probably depend on on consumer consumer trends on whether some of them will will, will return to that durable goods spending will continue that durable goods spending um, and how many of them are going to prefer to go and, and travel abroad and, and going to prefer to to spend it on, on on experiences. The problem with some of these things is you're not going to go out every night on a dinner out. <laughs> to compensate for the dinners you didn't have last year, or you don't gonna go and and have five holidays because you only took one last year because you don't have the days off. You're probably going to spread them out. You're gonna gonna spend them on maybe a fancier holiday, or maybe you're gonna travel further 
than than you did before. Or maybe you'll instead of traveling economy, you'll travel business this time, mm-hmm. and then you you're treating yourself to to a special holiday after um, a year and a half of not being able to do it. Mm-hmm. So it's about quality rather than quantity. <laughs> Could perfectly be, and that's why we've seen. The, the demand for uh, for business seats uh, on airlines to, to increase more than than the rest. So there's also a, uh, a demographic um, profile to spending as well as, as we move forward. Um, um, and obviously the younger crowd are probably going to spend a lot more money than the older crowd. Uh, m- maybe enlighten us a bit on that. Yeah, yeah so... so Particularly in the case of, of the U.S., for example, the the, the older and, and wealthier uh, households in, in in the U.S. have fared the effects of the pandemic better than than younger households. Probably because they already had some more accumulated savings, or or they were wealthier definitely than than the younger ones. Um, however, the the latter, the, the the younger crowd, have a, have a higher marginal propensity to to consume, and therefore it will be more likely to spend. Um, this on, on on holidays rather than than the eldest ones. So there's been a couple of surveys from from McKinsey that support this this view. Like millennials and Gen Z and and Gen X, they're all likely to increase their their leisure spending by or more than than, than, than they did before, um, and therefore that's going that, that that's the type of uh, of court that we want to that we want to focus on. That's the type of consumer we we, we need to target. Um, that's probably not the one that's going to be buying uh, a new house um, to live for the rest of their life, but they're probably going to be um, going to festivals, going to sports places, going out more. Um, they're definitely those that are more confident in terms of um, in terms of going out, uh, and they're probably those that will will run faster to get the vaccine when they, when when they have the possibility to do it, uh, so that. They, they're the ones more keen to, to go out again. I think one stat from this McKinsey survey that really sort of sticks out is that if you're a millennial, so for those of you not sure what millennials actually mean, say age between 25 and 40, um, as like of us, today. Like us, most. Like <laughs> yeah, us. yeah, like <laughs> us, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, between uh, 25 uh, and, and 40, earning more than $100,000, they are 80% likely to increase their leisure spending so eighty percent of their uh, are, are of those people in that cohort are going to be increasing the leisure spending uh, in the coming twelve months. So that, in essence, so there's always going to be uh, a higher uh, um, income skew, which is, I guess, always the case. Um, but it just shows you that we're going to be unleashing a particular demographic profile that is going to go out and and experience. Uh, and I think that's. Mm. Uh, that is quite interesting. Uh, you know, Gen Z um, uh, at, say, you know, earning less than $50,000 are 50% more likely or 60% more likely to spend uh, going forward on, on leisure activity. So that, um, that narrative, I think, is, a, is an exceptionally uh, strong one. That demand is certainly going to be there. Um, so one of the things we've been talking about is where are these savers going to start spending their money. You know? mm-hmm. um, we talked a little bit about less so on durable goods. You know, I think of people working from home, they rushed out to buy a laptop. They probably don't need to buy another one for another two or three years. Um, and so we're probably not necessarily going to see that excess spending go into that. There will be some increase for sure because they're out, they're going to 
look at things they're going to buy more but it's kind of less so than what they've done over the last 18 months or 24 months um because that was the need to be at home and to make sure your home experience was um you know a lot stronger um where do you think the young cohort um are going to go and spend their money over the coming over the coming months yeah well the the first thing is most of this money is is more liquid than than before so different to other previous crises um when um consumers had more uh, had less confidence say on on the stability of the financial system and they went into more uh, into hard assets so into, into real assets like real estate this time uh, these groups are keeping most of their savings in in currency and, and cash deposits which uh, increased uh, in the in the, um, in the euro area in particular increased at the rate of over 8% um during the during last year um and therefore with this it 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 makes it easier for for them to access some of these um some of these savings and therefore with the increase in, in vaccination rates and the increase in confidence and the recovery in the labor market um it's it is quite likely that we we're going to see um spending more on 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 leisure and entertainment sectors uh, it's quite likely we're going to we're going to benefit from uh, we've already seen some of the the increase that has happened in restaurants and bars uh, which is already up by over 2% in relation to the uh, spending on 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 this in relation to to pre-pandemic levels um but there's still there's still a way to go uh, in in, term, in uh, us consumer spending has increased by by 23% compared to january 2020 um and we still see that the, there's still uh, still a margin there for for increasing even further in some of these sectors that have been depressed last year. Absolutely. So, demand going to be strong. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, book your holidays early is our general advice for anybody. Um, uh, that um, that is, you know, I guess also brings maybe the other challenge mm-hmm. is actually going to be the supply, mm-hmm. and um, you know, there's already been. Um, some supply shortages and we certainly see that in for example you know restaurants in london right. you know you just can't get a restaurant in in london on a monday um, because um staff less willing to work um we've also seen uh for example uh daniel murray wrote in in, in some of his his work recently around uh retirement ages or people just deciding actually because of all the savings i have made you know, now's a good time to retire. Mm-hmm. And so we've seen this kind of acceleration of retirees. And, and in the US, they're calling the great resignation as well. So people are just saying, you know what, I'm I'm now going to retire. You know, I'd maybe had a few more years left before retirement. I'm going to do it now rather than just wait. Um, and so there are these accelerated trends that have developed uh, in people's, you know, behavior. And we've seen... You know, people now saying, "Well, I can earn more uh, Amazon delivery driver than working in a restaurant um, or a you know burger flipping, for example." You know, so we are seeing this, some of these trends, you know, developing. Uh, so you had some interesting stats on the uh, restaurant booking side of things to kind of highlight some of the challenge, logistical challenges that people are having at the moment. Yeah, that's that's right. So, for example, 
in in London uh, at least you have um, 40 to 45 percent of bookings are no shows. Uh, it's people that end up booking two or three restaurants and then they just decide in the last minute which one they, they want to go to. Um, and therefore that creates a lot of problems for for restaurants that not only they're, they're now have to choose um, which uh, of their branches, if they have more than one, which ones to open, uh, but also people that, that they don't show up. So they therefore they start asking for um, uh, for car detail payments when when you book, just to ensure that at least they get a minimum fee if you if you end up cancelling. Yeah, that's no, certainly so. There are certainly acute shortages um, within the kind of restaurant trade. They're also hearing similar things in kind of theme parks and those sort of things, those sort of areas as well, where it's finding it hard to 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 get people back uh, as well. So those supply um, you know challenges are going to be there. Um, there's also challenges on the airline side. It's certainly as UK has opened up to the US, you know, I was talking to someone just yesterday and they mentioned that they paid $7,000 for their return flight, uh, you know, to, um, uh, you know, to the UK from the US and, uh, which is probably at least 50% higher than it would normally be. Um, so you have got these supply constraints, uh, as well. Um, and I just think those, are not going to alleviate either. So we're going to have, I would say certainly for the next 12, 18 months, we're probably going to have this halo effect of where demand is strong, supply is still constrained. So it means that you know, typically what airlines do, they compete with each other like like crazy, drive down prices to to get that marginal seat. But because demand is so strong, they'll probably keep those prices quite inflated. Yeah. And also those those flight those aeroplanes sitting in the desert may stay there for a little bit longer than bring them out into but, the into the fleets. But let's look at it as well in in, in other sectors like uh, like the healthcare sector, which is also an area that we've been talking about. Um, people that have delayed some of their their surgeries or their uh, dental appointment checks or, or or treatments for for whatever reason, um, and now they they're going to go back into into that once. Um, once they can spend again on this, there's probably some sort of human capacity to to how many operations, how many treatments you can actually perform, and therefore this will also create maybe a, a, a backlog of of, um, of treatments um, and potentially as well an increase in prices um, for, for for some of these operations. So um, that is another sector that will will definitely see uh, uh, an increase in demand with a limited or at least constrained supply for this. So the, I guess the broad conclusion we're having is we've got this kind of, call it hot and cold environment, right? So we've got hot in terms of services. I think that's where suddenly our focus is, be it healthcare, be it travel, be it, you know, leisure, be it gyms, be it, you know, um, you know, air booking platforms, booking platforms. Exactly. You know, Airbnb, I was listening into the CEO of Airbnb, uh, just recently and one of the comments he made is that what they're finding is that um the people on their platform are actually taking one month you know uh, breaks on their you know booking for for a month mm-hmm. where they can go to a foreign country um go there for a month you know during a school holidays or something like that 
and then work there for two weeks and have two weeks of their holiday. So you are seeing some of these, you know, patterns and, and there they recently had results and, and their numbers are also very, very strong with people staying longer in, in, in their, uh, uh, you know, in their in the apartments are on their on their platform. So there's some really quite interesting, you know, developments. Supply is still going to be constrained. Um, I think we're going to continue to see, um, um, you know, challenges there, be it operations, surgeries, and so on and so forth. So you know, margins are going to be also in this kind of sweet spot for that cohort of company. So that is the hot part, I would call it, of the of the economy. The cold part is probably more the durable goods part, potentially, where the supply chain is now starting to open up, probably over the next couple of months, six months maybe at latest. I think that will rush through the system quite quickly. And prices could start to to come down quite quickly after that supply chain has been, um, um, uh, you know, has been... Uh, taken out, although demand will still stay quite strong. Uh, we, we already saw Peloton uh, reducing the price of its bikes yeah, a couple exactly, of times. Yeah, yeah, Maybe it's the yeah. moment to buy your furniture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, probably. Uh, although I think the backlog on furniture is still pretty, mm-hmm. pretty tricky. Um, um, yeah. I, I think that's probably that's probably a few more few more months there. Having ordered a piece of furniture recently. Um, <laughs> they told me to wait six months and wait another six months. So uh, it's it's not going to be, and there's nothing fancy either. Um, it's a, but there there's, there are some kind of sm- small challenges uh, as well. And you know, obviously, on the bigger durable goods that have, say, for example, semiconductors in them, what we're hearing is the finished good is ready, but the last chip to go in is is where the the gap is. But you can actually, once you get the chips, you can clear that backlog quite fast. Uh, so I, I think that's quite interesting in terms of, uh, um, you know, um, uh, this kind of hot and cold uh, cycle that we could see in in uh, in 2022 uh, with that focus on services. Okay, have I missed anything else? Anything else do you think is very important with respect to this topic? Well, o- overall, uh, this this increase in, in, in consumption is, is going to continue to be favored by, um, it's going to continue to favor economic growth. Um, but it's still going to be in the context of, in, in our expectation, um, a continuation in, in monetary accommodation. Uh, we expect that um, central banks, although they might start to become more hawkish, they will continue to, to provide the accommodation for, um, to, to allow that this consumption boost actually materializes uh, at least in, in, in developed markets where, where, where the, uh, the inflation problems are, are probably less pressing than in some um, some emerging um, so overall in, in in the context this will continue to be favoring um, uh, economic growth next year mm. and I think the the distribution of economic growth is probably going to be wider because mm-hmm. I think certainly what we've seen for example in Asia parts of Asia you know uh, Jay we were on a podcast last week talked about how Japan is only opening up in January to, to tourism. Um, we're seeing the same thing in Indonesia, Malaysia, Thailand. They've only now starting to embrace, in fact, uh, will do in the coming in the coming months. Um, and that, again, pent-up travel demand, tourism demand that has been so dead is, 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 um, is, is quite, you know, potentially quite interesting from a recovery perspective. And I think you're, 
point about you know longer more long haul than say short haul i think there's probably going to be a bit of a a, a change in the dynamic mm-hmm. uh with respect to that as well uh, as some of these far far flung places uh, start to to open up you know a lot of these trends certainly could be durable beyond the the economic pickup and the and the demand pickup that we'll see in the short term yeah. so uh Joaquin, thank you very much for uh for taking us through that uh, again very interesting uh, there's a nice uh, piece that you put together that uh, will be dropping in the next few days and uh, with that we will stop here and we will speak to you again next week as, as always please drop us an email if there's a particular topic or an area of interest at uh, beyond at fgam.com so don't forget that email address please do send that in and uh, we will tackle that topic at another time Uh, Thank you and have a great weekend.